the Rangers' offensive slide continues and lose one of the most frustrating games of the season. Plus, rumors are already swirling around the trade market and why the Rangers need to make a trade, but not for the guy you think. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked onto the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Paddock, a criminally addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Tuesday, June 27th. Your Rangers are 47 and 31, still alone to top the AL West with a five game lead over the Astros. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Paddock. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers and you can subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Now, last night's game was incredibly frustrating. The Rangers are now on a three-game skid after losing three very winnable games and and one they absolutely should have won on Monday night against a Tigers team that is just, frankly, not all that good. It is not a good Tigers team. It is one of the worst teams in baseball. They are third in the AL Central, by far the worst division in baseball, and and maybe the worst division I think I've ever seen. And they are not doing it in convincing fashion. They have lost their best pitcher and their best position player in Riley Green and uh, and lefty Eduardo Rodriguez. They have not played since that Rangers series in Detroit, and this was a game the Rangers absolutely should have won. It started in about as great a note as you can start it. Marcus Simeon led off the game with his 11th home run of the season. Rangers have a one nothing lead against the Tigers team. That is not all that good. And then after facing two more hitters, which he struck out Corey Seager and uh, Josh Young, uh, the Tiger starter had to exit the game. Matthew Boyd threw a pitch that was a little bit high, pretty pretty high out of the zone. The catcher caught it and kind of motioned to the trainer and thought, "Oh, that something's something's wrong with this guy. You got to go get him checked out." And it turns out he was he was not okay. He left that game, and then the Tigers had to have an emergency pitcher come in who was not expected to come into that game. They had Will Vest come in. And he faced four Rangers hitters. He allowed a double and then struck out three. And then he also had to be removed from the game in the second inning, consecutive innings where the Rangers had uh, the guy who was supposed to be the starter leave the game and then the guy who was supposed to be the bulk pitcher I believe leave the game and uh, they just could not do anything with it the Rangers just really really struggled in pronounced fashion with runners in scoring position um, and just could not get anything going a seven to two loss six of those runs given up by Andrew Heaney and a really frustrating start from him and a game where he should have just gone out and dominated this Tigers lineup and the Rangers led off the first inning with the home run and then followed it with three straight strikeouts and then they led off the second inning with a double and then followed it with three straight strikeouts the Rangers had quite a few innings like that where they would get a runner on base and then strikeouts were just a big big problem for the Rangers in this one an offense that doesn't really strike out that much and you know they had three a an 0 for 3 with three strikeout game for Mitch Garver and an 0 for 4 with a four strikeout game for Josh Young the second time he's done that in the span of a week and it has both happened when he has been hitting in the three hole maybe maybe Bochy should just keep him hitting fifth in the lineup I know that there was a lefty on the mound and the Josh Young didn't even get to face the lefty um but you know I feel like just keeping him at fifth in the order is probably 
probably what's best for him. He had that three-hit day the first game he faced, uh, or you know, let off in the in the three-hole, and has not really replicated that success ever since. Josh Young has just been in a really rough way. And, and one of those strikeouts was was really critical. A, a great at-bat by him, a 10-pitch at-bat that ended on a called third strike. He had runners on first and second. Marcus Simeon let off that inning with a single. Then Corey Seager got hit in the thigh with a pitch, maybe a little bit above the thigh that looked kind of painful. I was a little worried for a moment that Corey Seager might have to come out of the game. Thankfully, he was okay. He took it like a champ. And, and Josh Young was just battling and battling and battling and battling. And he thought he had worked a walk at the 10th pitch of that at bat was a cutter just off the plate away about belt high and it looked like it is not touching the strike zone on the MLB at bat app and uh, actually watching it live it looked like it did not touch the strike zone but you know it, it didn't matter he got two called strikes on him and that was the third called strike on him fouled off several different pitches four different pitches including that cutter a couple of times including the the pitch before was a cutter that was uh, you know just a little bit belt high in a way it's still over the plate he fouled that one off and, and the next pitch was a couple of inches maybe three four inches further away he did not get him to chase and and that was it and that was just really really frustrating for josh young i'm sure i'm not worried about him i'm a little worried that his current slump is going to keep him from being the all-star starter and it, it's going to you know people are, are going to throw away what he has done all season. He still has an 804 OPS, 15 home runs, 44 runs driven in, 52 runs scored, hitting 270 with an on-base of 324. He has been the best third baseman that is in this final vote. Jose Ramirez has kind of gone on a heater, but it was too little too late, thankfully, for Josh Young, because I still think he deserves to start the All-Star game. The Rangers should have five starters in the All-Star game, including Adoles Garcia, who had his 18th home run of the season in this one. The Raiders' offense has usually been better than this, and the frustrating part is that it's not a lot of dominant, you know, pitchers that are that are really, you know, dominating these these Rangers hitters. I mean, the Rangers got to Garrett Cole in this weekend, and they just could not put him away. They could not, you know, get to the bullpen of the Yankees. They were dominated by Luis Severino and, and guys like Clark Schmidt and and guys like Mason Englert, who is a former Ranger farmhand who, uh, unlike they said on the broadcast, was, was not traded to Detroit. He was taken in the Rule 5 draft, and he, he's been okay in He's a guy who didn't pitch much above double or didn't pitch any above double A and really hadn't pitched all that much in double A. The 23 year old right handed pitcher from Forney, Texas, the 2018 fourth round draft pick by the Rangers has been pretty solid but I can't say that I expected this from him and and this outing was was really really solid the only run that he gave up was that solo shot to Adoles Garcia two and a third innings just two hits one walk and four strikeouts not a guy who has a whole lot of strikeout stuff um and, and Josh Young was one of those strikeouts if my memory serves me correctly but the Rangers are, are got dominated by not even the good parts of the Tigers' pen. Tigers have some some good relievers, and they might be trade partners that the Rangers um, will, will look at, but this was not you know Alex Lange. This was uh, not uh, Jason Foley. This was not uh, Jose Cisnero or uh, well, it was a little bit of Will Fest, but but still, like the Rangers were not getting dominated by the best of the best. It was Mason Ingler, who is basically their their long relief guy, who held this Rangers team down for a pair of innings, and then, you know, on comes uh, Alexander, and you know he has an ERA north of four, and he only allowed three hits and got four strikeouts and didn't walk anybody in three innings of work. Like that's that's just not acceptable for this offense that has been in a slump, and they continue to struggle with runners in scoring position. In this game, they went, I believe it was 0 for 10 
with runners in scoring position, and that's just not what the Rangers have done. Yeah, 0 for 10, nine runners left on base. Did have a pair of doubles, one from Nathaniel Lowe, one from Ezekiel Duran, who had a multi-hit game and continues to be a bright spot in the Rangers lineup down in the number eight hole. Um, but, but still, this is just incredibly frustrating. And, you know, what they were doing in the early months just was not sustainable, but you didn't think they'd fall back down to earth this much. This was a, a great article by Kennedy Landry on MLB.com uh, showing the offense with runners in scoring position by month. In the month of April, the Rangers had a slash line as a team of 331, 379, 587, which is just bonkers, absolutely bonkers. Then in the month of May, they basically continued almost exactly that, a 323, 370, 475 slash line, um, which is incredible. Incredible to do as a team in those positions. And in the month of in the month of June, it hasn't been terrible, but it hasn't been good either. A 248, 325, 436 slash line. All of those numbers down pretty significantly, about 40 points at least for each of them. But hitting just 248 with runners and scorers, that's not terrible. That's not terrible. I think a lot of those numbers are boosted by what the Rangers did early on in the month. Those two games against Seattle, they went 5-0 and to start this month, and they are 7-11 and since. This is their first real skid, and uh, coming up, we're going to look at why this is going to be good for the Rangers and why the Rangers need, need to make a trade with the Pittsburgh Pirates, but it's not for the guy you think. But first, this word from our sponsors. For a championship team, it is all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle, So every, which is why every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know if the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. There are a ho- over 120 two different million parts to choose from. You know, you'll be back in the game in no time. So after all, it's easy to bring home the right parts and the win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shout out to the everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. On Thursday's show, I'll have a crossover with Lindsey Crosby of Locked On Baby Prospects talking about the draft and the Rangers prospects in general. The Rangers take on the Tigers this week. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, Texas was linked to a trade by MLB Network insider John Rossi yesterday, and I'm glad that I waited just a second to to talk about this uh, until today because it was kind of it kind of came out of left field which is is not the position that this player plays anymore this was yesterday by John Rossi he tweeted out uh the Rangers are one team to watch f- with McCutcheon, Andrew McCutcheon. That is, they are legitimate World Series contenders who have below average DH production this year. In 2018, McCutcheon played for current Texas Rangers manager Bruce Bochy in San Francisco. Um, then he followed up by saying, confirming the Rangers have broached the possibility of acquiring McCutcheon, but the Pirates are not prepared to move yet. The deal would be would have particular interest to Texas if at least one pitcher is part of the deal as well. Now, this was some some really flaky, shaky language, and I, I trust John Morosi. He is a good reporter. He is um, he has been an insider around baseball for a long, long time. But he's not necessarily the one that I, I trust the most with in terms of having Rangers sources. That would be Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News or Ken Rosenthal of uh, of the Athletic, or I guess 
yeah, I guess just of the athletic these days. And I think he's also on Fox Sports on TV. And well, Jeff Pass and I trust with just about any kind of breaking MLB news to have great sources around the game. And I'm not saying that Morosi is is wrong about what he's saying, but I am saying that it doesn't particularly make a lot of sense to me. Um, then, of course, later that day, Chris Young was on 105.3 The Fan, and he, of course, addressed this uh, in as about, about as direct a way as you can if you're a GM, because you're not allowed to comment on players on other teams, particularly around the trade deadline. Um, he said, and I quote, I saw there was a rumor out there today regarding an offensive player that literally we've had zero contact with that team, so where that rumor came from, comma, it is really amazing to me that those things get floated like that, end quote. Um, okay, so he says offensive player. At first thought, of, okay, well, maybe he's got some some pitchers on that team that he's talked about, but he said zero contact with that team. So maybe Chris Young is lying. That's kind of what GMs do, not to call him a straight-up liar, but it's part of the job. It's it's not he's a bad person. It's a smokescreen. You can't really talk about you know what what trades you're making, what teams you're talking to, and, and all of it is a smokescreen. Even even these reports are, are smokescreens for what Rangers or what GMs in general want to do. But Let's get back to the part of the Rangers have below average DH production. Well, the Rangers' most commonly used DH is Robbie Grossman. This year, he has seven home runs, nine doubles in 241 plate appearances, hitting just 223-303 on base, and slugging 365. That is a 668 OPS, an OPS plus of 84. That's below average. Not going to lie. That's pretty below average. But the other guys who they've had in the DH spot have been guys like Ezekiel Durant, who in 216 plate appearances appearances has an 884 OPS, which is 41% better than league average. And Mitch Garver, who is down all the way to 749, been in a little bit of a slump as of late, a 105 OPS plus. But I trust that Mitch Garver should be getting a lot more games than he has been. This is one of the questions that I have about what the Rangers have been doing as of late. I have another question about the usage of Cody Bradford in last night's game. I'll, I'll save, that, save that till segment three because I'm I'm still really heated about what is going on with that, and it, it really frustrates me. But Robbie Grossman playing um, this many games is is kind of upsetting and kind of annoying because Mitch Garver is a much better bat than him, and I know that he's got value as a catcher and giving. Jonah Heim days off is is nice and good and whatever. Um, and but you also have another catcher, a third catcher on the roster in Sim Huff that's also kind of more of a, a I don't know a DH big bat kind of guy, very similar profile to Mitch Garver. And I thought that him being called up would would mean that he would play more. And he's he's been up for several weeks, and Sam Huff has only gotten into six games and only has eleven at bats in those six games, and it's just just not enough playing time for him. I think he should be back down in AAA, and I, I know that the Rangers DFA'd Sandy Leone because they needed that 40-man roster spot, but I really think that Sandy Leone has a spot on this team as just the backup catcher. I know his offense is absolutely atrocious, and maybe there's some other backup catcher you can go get, but Leone had a really good chemistry with this team, with, with Nathan Eovaldi and with John Gray when John Gray was absolutely destroying everybody. It was Sandy Leone behind the dish, and I think that that has some value, even if he's not bringing a whole lot of offense. If you have one spot in your lineup that's just not bringing you anything offensively, you can definitely suffer that, but when, when it's your DH spot, it's kind of frustrating, and Mitch Garver has not been playing nearly as much as I would have liked him to play. I mean, he's not catching all that much this year. He's mostly DH, but it feels like every other game, Mitch Garver is, is getting off, and I feel like at this point, I, I love Mitch Garver, the catcher, and I think 
he was a great trade for the Rangers. It was a big swing. He definitely has a lot of injury risk around him, but it was a smart swing at the time. But I think now his best value is just being your everyday DH, letting letting Ezekiel Duran play left field pretty much every day and, and seeing a lot less of Robbie Grossman and a lot more of Travis Jankowski. I mean, I just don't want to see that much of Robbie Grossman. He's had his moments and he's got some value being a switch hitting player who plays all three defensive positions in the outfield kind of okay i mean really it's not been great defensively he's he has just fallen off a cliff this year and he's not providing a whole lot of offense either um but i just i want to see a lot more of mitch garver i don't know what the deal is if you just commit to him fully being your dh maybe catching once every two weeks or so um, but having Sandy Leone as your primary backup catcher, but it also makes it harder to DH Jonah Heim, keep his bat in there. And his bat has been exceptional. He has a 121 OPS plus and an OPS over 811 home runs, which leads all American League catchers. And he's been exceptional. He has just passed Mitch Garver in every way, which I did not anticipate when the Rangers made that trade for Mitch Garver. But the Rangers also need to make a trade, um, probably more for a pitcher than than for any kind of hitter because the Rangers have so much depth in their lineup. They have Ezekiel Duran. They have, you know, how many guys with an OPS plus, uh, yeah, nine hitters with an OPS plus of 119 or better. And that's not to say that, that Andrew McCutcheon hasn't been good this year. He, he's been very good. He's having one of his best offensive season in, in years, but he's mostly DH. He's played seven games in the outfield, all or seven starts in the outfield, eight games um, in total. All of those have been in right field. And offensively, he has been very good this year for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, he has got an OPS this season of 825 with nine home runs and hitting it three or two seventy seventy one with an on base of three ninety four. He's in the first percentile of the league in terms of his walk rate and he he's been very valuable, but he's not striking out. He's um, you know, walking at an extreme rate. His expected Wobas in the top seventeen percent of baseball. He's not chasing at all. And his sprint speed is still in the top twenty percent of baseball. And maybe the Rangers could use him um in that left field spot and then go with Ezekiel Duran and Mitch Garver as your DH. But 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 still that provides a lot of of spots that are kind of jammed up and I, I know Andrew McCutcheon is having a good year but he's only under contract for one year and he's 36 years old like no shade to this guy but it just doesn't make sense for the Rangers now who would make more sense is a pitcher and I'm not particularly particular about which pitcher they trade for I mean we'll get into um, one of the particular relievers for Pittsburgh who has been exceptional this year but the reason the Rangers need to make a trade and it's not because they're a bad team. They are still a very good team. They still have a five-game lead in the division over the Astros. But they have a clogged 40-man roster. They have a lot of guys on there that are, you know, pretty good, but not quite great. And I think that upgrading that bullpen, in terms of A1 guys that I trust in, you know, game seven of a world series in a one run game uh, in like the eighth or ninth inning you really only have two guys it's josh spores and will smith the other guys in the pen who have been there have been guys who have been reliable in the pen guys like brock burke who we finally got to see for the first time and you know uh, this like the fifth time this month which was he was just asked about that and he came in in a four run game that the rangers were losing against the freaking tigers don't understand why that was the case, but um, maybe you have him. I mean, maybe Grant Anderson. I'm still not super sure on trusting him in huge, huge situations. Barlow is starting to regain trust um, a little bit more. John King has has provided value in certain situations, but 
the Rangers need probably one more back-end bullpen guy that they feel really, really good about because the 40-man roster is is crunching. I mean, there are guys who are, are going to be coming up that are going to be on this 40-man roster that the Rangers will need to make spots for. Evan Carter is probably going to be on this team in the playoffs. He's, Glenn Otto is probably going to be on this team probably in the pen in the playoffs. So the Rangers need to upgrade a bunch of okay talent and substitute that for some really, really good talent, condense the amount of players that they have for some good ones. We look at a little bit more of this roster crunch and my frustration with the Rangers not knowing what the heck to do with Cody Bradford and this struggling offense as well. But first, this word from our sponsors. Shout out to the everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. Like I said on Thursday's show, we'll be crossing over with Lindsey Crosby of Locked On Army Prospects to talk about the draft. The Rangers take on the Tigers this week and catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, there were a couple of frustrating decisions in this one last night, and it kind of carries over to what I talked about on yesterday's show. Yesterday's show, I talked about why I was so frustrated with the Rangers deciding to, you know, switch Nathan Eovaldi and Andrew Heaney in terms of where they're where they are in the rotation and give Andrew Heaney an extra day's rest while giving Nathan Eovaldi just the one day of rest um it was just kind of a frustrating moment and the Rangers have you know are in a stretch of 30 games in 31 days heading into the all-star break which the Rangers are going to very desperately need but the the frustrating part about Heaney, he's not been terrible this year, and there's a lot of weeping and groaning and gnashing of teeth, but by myself included, because the style of pitcher Andrew Heaney is can, can be one that really, really frustrates me. And I think this wasn't the most frustrating game by him this season. I, I think it was probably the second most frustrating. The most frustrating for me was in that blowout against the uh, the Mariners earlier this month when he only was able to go under four innings pitched, and the Rangers spotted him like a five-run lead. It was just incredibly frustrating because the thing about Andrew Heaney is when he is on, he is really, really on and he is getting a lot of strikeouts, but he is never going to be a guy who goes super deep into games. The reason that I like Martin Perez a little bit more than him is because Martin Perez can provide you a lot of value in terms of innings. And I think that's an important thing among starting pitchers. I mean, right now they have the exact same ERA, a 438 ERA in 15 starts for both of them. Martin Perez, however, has 84 and a third innings pitched to Andrew Heaney, just 78 innings pitched. And there's some people calling him just an absolute disaster of a signing, which he's absolutely not. He's signed for a, a one-in-one deal with at about, I think, $12.5 million, at most $25 million due to him for the next two years, which that's not a disaster at all. And, and he was signed to be your number five starter. Right now, he actually he might be your number five starter, actually, at this point. I might rather have Cody Bradford in there pitching, which we'll get into him in just a second. But Andrew Heaney is, is on pace. We're about at the halfway part mark of the year, and he's on pace to have a, a 438 ERA in about 150 innings with you know a little bit more than a strikeout per inning that that's solid work that's definitely really solid for your number five hitter um but, but the frustrating part is that he seemed to have something figured out with the dodgers last year he had uh, one of the best strikeout rates in all of baseball and he had the the pitch distribution pretty well figured out he threw 62 percent fastball 32 percent slider and just five percent changeup. that has switched this year for some reason he's throwing a few fewer fastballs a few fewer sliders and a lot more changeups. 22 percent slider usage this year and 19.4 percent usage of the changeup, which has been hit relatively hard his strikeout rate is no longer near the top three percent of baseball which it was uh last year his his walk rate is is way worse last year he was in the 78th percentile in terms of walk rate chase rate whiff rate all of those were in the top six percent of baseball 
He's also, you know, in the first percentile of hard hit percentage, fourth percentile of barrel rate, and second percentile of average exit velocity. And, you know, those are better this year. Hard hit rate is in the 60th percentile, so he's not getting hard, hit hard nearly as much, but he's walking a lot more guys. He's being a lot more particular. And against this Tigers lineup that's, that's not very good, he just wasn't able to go out and get these guys. This is not a great lineup, but he did get beat for two home runs, one from Jake Rogers, his 10th home run of the season, and one a three-run shot from Andy Ibanez, who the Rangers have seen quite a bit of, and there, there's a reason he's not on this team, and he's, he's on a team that's that's not all that good, and he's hitting third in their lineup, which is kind of a state of uh, how they're doing. He's a 695 OPS on the season. I, I wish him nothing but the best. I don't, I don't have any ill will towards him, but he's not the kind of hitter where, where Andrew Heaney should be, you know, casually pumping, you know, just nibbling on the strike zone. That's just one of the most frustrating things to me. That's one of the reasons why I love Martin Perez and why I love Cody Bradford. And the Rangers finally threw Cody Bradford in a game for the first time in 13 days. But instead of doing it on Thursday against this not-so-great Tigers lineup that they don't have a named starter, where if he did start on Thursday, that would push John Gray back a day, and he would start against the Astros if, if he didn't. If, if John Gray did start on Thursday, um, which is if the rotation followed the normal order, that's how it would go, then you would waste a John Gray start against the freaking Tigers as opposed to against the Astros in one of the most crucial series of the year at a time where you are scuffling. But no, they decided to bring Cody Bradford in to throw two-thirds of an inning because Yuri Rodriguez couldn't finish the deal because he's not having that great of a season. Not that like, they couldn't just sacrifice Yuri Rodriguez out there and just kind of throw him until you got out of the game it was the game was completely out of hand at that point the rangers were down five runs in the ninth inning and it didn't like look like the offense was going to do much of anything but instead they throw cody bradford out there for you know 10 12 pitches that it was why why 13 pitches excuse me 13 pitches i don't understand cody bradford has been sitting idle on this roster for two weeks he came up and had a great performance against the angels in a game where the rangers eventually lost going four and a third innings on short rest after throwing you know eight ish maybe eight plus innings on the friday before at before that tuesday and now he's just come around to you know be in your long relief role I, I, like not even a long relief role this is just an absolute garbage role there there's no reason to throw him in this one there's no reason why the rangers shouldn't have inserted him in the rotation anytime in the last four days during this brutal stretch to give your starters that extra rest to make sure that they are healthy because you know despite nathan evaldi and john gray and andrew Heaney being healthy pretty much all season i mean gray did have the one skip start with the blister thing um they have not been guys who have thrown a whole lot of innings. I mean, Nathan Evaldi's never hit 200 innings. He's on pace for 210 innings. John Gray has only hit 200 innings, I think, a couple of times. If he's hit at all, he's only hit 180 innings. Um, yeah, he has not hit 200 innings. The most he has thrown in a season is 172 back in 2018. And he hasn't thrown 150 innings since 2019. So I mean, th there's no reason why you couldn't throw an extra start, an extra day of rest there. And right now, John Gray is on pace for about 160-ish innings. Martin Perez is on pace for about 170 innings. Dane Dunning is on pace for probably about 150-ish innings. And that's really solid having five guys in your rotation that can give you 150 innings. That's what you're hoping for when you brought in an entirely new rotation. Because last year, the Rangers did not have that. For people who are saying, oh, Andrew Heaney is a disaster. Oh my gosh, Martin Perez is, is such a freaking disaster. The Rangers had one guy go 196 in a third inning. That was Martin Perez last year. Dane Dunning went 153. 
And then the next two in your rotation were Glenn Otto at 135 and John Gray at 127 in a third innings. And, and then their number five starter was some combination of Taylor Hearn, who only threw 100 innings on the season. He only had 13 starts. Then you had a few starts by Cole Reagans, nine to be specific, and only went 40 innings. And then you had eight by Spencer Howard, who threw fewer innings than, than Cole Reagans at 37 and two thirds. And those were, were not particularly good starts. And you had a few from Kohei Arihara where he got absolutely annihilated. You had a couple from Dallas Keuchel, but I mean, this is this is the kind of depth in the rotation that you feel good about, but you also have to protect. I mean, I'm a little scared about Nathan Eovaldi and his drop in velocity, a little scared about John Gray and his blister thing. I'm a little scared about Andrew Heaney in general. And so you've got to protect those guys. So throwing Cody Bradford out there for no freaking reason in a game that you had already lost. It, it just baffles my mind, and I, I don't know what the deal is with him. Clearly, you need some guys in your pen, some extra guys in your pen. When, when you saw Yuri Rodriguez coming in on Sunday in a game where the Rangers had to lead in a close situation with runners on, that kind of shows you, you you need some guys in your pen. So maybe trading for a guy like David Bednar, a, a pitcher for... For Pittsburgh, who has been exceptional this season, it would, it would probably be a pretty high cost. He's 28 years old. He's been an all-star. He was an all-star last year. He is, you know, his baseball savant page is just filled with the red in terms of his chase rate, his walk rate, whiff rates, fastball, spin rate, fastball velocity. All those are just absolutely gorgeous. And the Rangers saw him in that series in Pittsburgh. He's got a 150 ERA this season in 30 games, 15 saves. 34 strikeouts in 34 innings in a whip of 0.90. That's the kind of guy, a back-end guy who could use in October if the Rangers decide to get there and pull themselves out of this frustrating slump. I know it's a rough place to be. The Rangers are riding a three-game losing streak. They have Bruce Bochy at the helm. They still have a five-game lead in the division. And even though it's frustrating, I think that things will most definitely work out for this Texas Rangers team. That's going to do it for today's show. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy the first place Texas Rangers baseball.